0: Welcome to Netfront Presidents. I'm Jeff Gordon, the Post Dispatch, joined by the beat reporter Matthew DeFranks, uh, who, unfortunately, on assignment from the Post and Dispatch, um, yeah, had a pretty pretty rough experience. Uh, we'd hate to do that to a reporter. He's young. He's you know he's he's got some plenty of miles left in the odometer, but man, whoo! You uh, Matt, you went on the road and you saw some bad hockey. Just let be honest here. It wasn't the best
1: yeah, I think that's about as straightforward as you can put it, right?, uh, it was my my first trip with the Blues. Uh, actually my second trips of the season to both uh, Ottawa and Carolina. So a rare uh, double dip in the Eastern Conference uh, for me there. but it was uh it was not pretty. Um, you know, I think the the scores kind of probably could have been flipped a little bit even. um, they probably played. Slightly better in Ottawa than they did in Carolina, but slightly better from worse is not is not a it's not really something to be proud of there. So, uh, just not a ton of good things happening. I think that second period in Carolina was probably one of the the worst defensive ones of the season. Uh, just in terms of expected goals, that second period alone would have been their tenth worst game, uh, defensively. And overall, they they allowed over five expected goals against the Hurricanes, which makes Bennington's uh, four goals given up uh, look a little bit heroic, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, just no sort of um, presence uh, is probably the, the right word I would lean towards, um, either with the puck and in the offensive zone, forechecking, possessing, uh, or even sometimes backchecking. There were a few goals on the rush, uh, you know, one against – one in Ottawa, one in Carolina, where, you know, the bat-checking forwards probably weren't doing uh, as well as they should have. So just uh, overall uh, rough to watch, and it's probably a little bit more – I don't know if depressing is the right word, but it's just more understood that this is kind of what's going to be kind of the norm in the next two months. Uh, I mean, they're not going to be missing Sod and Bucinevich all the time, um, but it's. Uh, It's not going to be fun (laughs) for these Blues, uh, especially after the trade deadline, and expecting a trade of Barbashev.
0: Yeah, I guess that's where all the focus is now. Of course, we go back and we look at the Ryan O'Reilly trade. That was a good outcome for the Blues in terms of the return. Uh, Also a very good outcome for Ryan O'Reilly, I think, getting a chance to go back home and take another run at a cup. I think Noel Chari is a guy that the, the Leafs had hoped to get but just ran out of money to get uh over the uh, previous offseason so these are two guys going who are good players and getting a chance to go and, and and play for a cup I think as disruptive as it is to leave in the middle of a season the chance to go play good hockey versus what we just discussed with the Blues is a plus especially if you're looking to get a, another contract as both are so good on them uh your your takeaway were you uh was this about to return that you thought they could get uh, better or worse
1: I think it was a pretty good return yeah um if you if you break it down into parts uh, that you know the trade can look like O'Reilly for a first, uh, a Chari for a third, uh, a second for retaining you know three point seven five million, and then a couple AHL guys to to help fill the back end, right? Because you lose two forwards from the NHL roster, you bring up two forwards from the AHL roster, and you need to fill in the back there. So uh, from that perspective, I, I think pretty good and you know, you can kind of do the same thing with the Tarasenko trade too. You you know, you get a first for Tarasenko, uh, a third for Mikola and Hunter Skinner to fill in where uh, Tyler Tucker was in the AHL. So uh, yeah, good, good return, I think. And, you know, I think it's uh, honestly probably been probably a positive for, for Doug Armstrong to deal these guys earlier and beat other teams to the market. And you look at Chicago right now and what they're dealing with Patrick Kane and um, you know, obviously, Jonathan Taze is not getting traded, but some of these teams are looking at assets and wondering if they will be able to get rid of them. And Doug Armstrong already knows that he has the pieces in hand for them. So that's uh, that's probably a positive. And, and honestly, like you said, good for good for O'Reilly and Nachari uh, looking for new contracts. O'Reilly seems like he's come into a, a great spot there in Toronto on that line with uh, Tavares and Marner had a hat trick the other night. Uh, you know he's playing in Ontario uh closer to home uh, in a contract year on a contender so uh, good for him to be able to kind of have that opportunity to show his worth and and go chase another cup and for old Nolachari it looks like he's gonna be pretty prominent on their penalty kill as a, as a right-handed center uh taking those draws and killing penalties like he did in in St. Louis so you know it's uh it was something that you knew was was going to happen at some point. Once they did the Tarasenko trade, you could have kind of envisioned everyone else going, but it was still kind of uh, kind of weird to to see it happen.
0: Well, and devastating to the group. I mean, even though the group was prepared for it, um, this team was shrugged off the loss of Tarasenko easy, easily enough, but um, you know the uh, the next trade <laughs> left the mark. And, uh, you know, just the all the things that he brings to the table, um, you know, which does beg the question. We've seen some speculation about this, uh, Matt, that the uh, Blues could um, revisit Ryan because there's certainly not going to be any cap dollars in Toronto for for O'Reilly. I wouldn't expect. Um, And you don't know what his value looks like around the league monetarily. You know that there's value here. Doug Armstrong's talking about trying to do a fairly quick pivot with the group there there may be some dollars um depending on what else happens with the team i guess i I wouldn't completely rule out the fact that o'reilly could boomerang back here if the price was right
1: yeah and that's that's the biggest thing right like the the price has to be right they should be in the market for a top six forward if they do intend on competing next season um but is that a guy like michael bunting who Uh, you know, is coming off of a productive season in Toronto um, or is it looking and he's, you know, a winger instead of a a two-way center like O'Reilly and um, do the dollars add up? Are there contracts they need to move out? What do they do on the back ends? Um, Is that where the, the dollars go to, to fix the blue line? There's just a lot of questions, but if they do intend on being a contender next year, they need to fill some holes up there. I mean, if you look at their top six right now, you know, Thomas, Cairo, Buchnevich Shen Saad, and he's probably best served on a contending team as a third liner guy. So you, you have a, a hole or two to fill in, in the top of your group there if they want to be there. Um, so it, it could make sense from that perspective, but you know, the, the dollars have to make sense. And uh, I don't know if uh, what he, O'Reilly would be looking for at this stage. I mean, as we reviewed a few weeks ago, the comps for him are are very few just because of his age, his, uh, his pedigree as a cup winner, a Smythe guy, his production being so low this year. Uh, it's tough to find direct contract comps outside of Claude Giroux. And even that is not really that all, all that relevant because of his production last year so um yeah it's uh it'll be interesting to see I don't know him well enough to to say you know, how much he he loves St. Louis or how much he wants to be back but yeah you know, it was weird on Sunday uh you know I wasn't at the game on Saturday because I was traveling to Ottawa but it there just wasn't any jump and it, it's uh you struggle to use the word you know funereal but it, it felt like they were they were mourning a, a loss there after the O'Reilly trade, and kind of something was missing. So uh, clearly, they they respect him and and all that he does. So we'll see if it happens.
0: One thing, uh, I guess, Doug has to look at. I mean, he he obviously tries to um, give Barbashev an attractive assignment. Uh, it doesn't work out great um, against the Canes. Uh, it was not a great game to showcase a, a player uh, or that line. But um, you also see a guy get banged around in a game, and you you wonder, you you know. Teams are withholding guys. Teams are uh, are, are concerned about injuries. Uh, the way Barberchef plays, I know Doug's trying to get the best price he can for him. Um, but there's risk every time Ivan plays, too, right? I think you. I think people by now know where where he is, how he stands in the marketplace, what he can do. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they handle uh, him going forward. I mean, obviously he's your big chip left to play, a chance to add more assets. But he also plays the kind of game where you can get in harm's way.
1: Yeah, and I think you just look at that, a hit Sunday uh, in Ottawa, the the Austin Watson one in the corner um, just gets dumped right into the boards and it doesn't really look that pretty, right? And let's see the schedule right now, one, two, three, there's four games left until the trade deadline, um, one, one tonight, so I, I don't know how much... Uh, Holding him out will hurt his value. Um, obviously, you're worried about injuries. Uh, I don't think that holding out Javertov and Chikrin has hurt their, their value much at all. Um, but given the way Barbashev plays, uh, probably more more prone to be injured. Um, and you know, I think <laughs> the other part is uh, you still want you still want uh, Thomas and Cairo to to be playing well. And do you want to just give them Braden and Shen and have them take on the, the toughest assignments every single night, have no real depth behind them, or do you want to at least keep them in the lineup for, for four more games, give them something to work with and see where they can go from there. Uh, just because you know, the season as a whole isn't going anywhere, but you still want to see development of guys. Right. And, uh, you don't want to put them in really tough positions, uh, to succeed. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, they definitely have
0: to pick up their 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 last effort wasn't maybe not 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 the best. But yeah, uh, minus three is not not what you want. <laughs> so you're uh one of the interesting things that JT wrote about this um the uh, issue of you definitely if you're Doug Armstrong uh needing to clear out uh more cap. We've talked again and again about needing to realign the defensive core now you're seeing uh, more scuttlebutt among with the Elliot Friedmans and the Pierre LeBruns of the world that guys like Tory Krug and Colton Freco are you know hearing the names are being uh, thrust into circulation maybe it's just pure speculation but here are two guys with contracts with uh, where they can control um their situation uh got some money coming got some years coming uh, both guys have some value um but if you're going to realign your defensive core, you're going to have to make some changes. So uh, it'll be interesting. I don't know that anything could be done ahead of the trade deadline because it's so complicated to move guys with term and money. But uh, it seems like these are two guys in particular to keep an eye on ahead of the draft, if not uh, at the trade deadline.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if they want to even revamp the, the forward group um, and add a big name player there, they're going to have to move out salary on the back ends. Uh, there's not really much you could do about the the front end, uh, uh, you know, Maybe not that you want to do because you you're missing so many uh, top end stores there, anyways. But the back end, uh, Letty, Crude, Pareto, Fawk, I mean, we know these all all these guys have have trade protection, so it'll be up to them uh, where they want to go, if they want to go, um, and when they want to go, essentially. So I think you are right. I mean, if it is something that happens uh the summer feels like a a more appropriate time after some teams uh know know what they did in the playoffs uh know what holes they need to fill uh know which contracts they have off the books and and that they are off the books in the summer uh because these are this is a lot of money as you said right and i don't know uh you know we always think about players waving no trade clauses and it's like oh maybe they want to go back home and maybe that's right I mean uh does Pareto want to go to Alberta and, and go into Edmonton does crude see what the Red Wings are doing and maybe Michigan uh you know in, in, in Detroit wants to go back there or you know, we've seen guys wave to go to play with uh, players they know and friends I mean we can look at Teresanto in New York uh, you know, Patrick Hornquist waved a few years ago to go down to Florida. Um, you know, the weather and the, the project, the trajectory of the team probably, uh, attracted him there. So I think there are ways where you can see players waving a, a no trade, but, you know, ultimately it, it will be up to them, uh, which kind of puts, uh, Doug Armstrong in a little bit of a bind.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of chit chat about, um, uh, Timo Meyer and understandably. So they're, uh, but this is a deal. It's a complicated deal. They've got a, the sharks, if they're going to do something, they need to do it. Um, He's got this giant qualifying offer issue for next season at at 10 million. So any team acquiring him and looking to keep him, they're going to want to um, try to figure out what that next contract looks like. Uh, It seemed like this is a guy that would move ahead of the deadline, um, but it is complicated. And then, So just looking at his case first, I mean, obviously now Doug Armstrong's got assets to trade, so uh, he doesn't have the cap space, a a ton of it, although the front-end issue isn't as severe as the back-end on Meyer. He has to worry about the future cap. So do you think, you know, what do you, how would you handicap the potential of them making a deal for a guy like Meyer and then committing the dollars to him that would have to exceed, I think, uh, by a fair amount what he's committed to Cairo and Thomas?
1: yeah and uh I, I think the blues have the the capital to to do it um they have if they choose uh, they they have the picks and they have you know a prospect or two that you know maybe the sharks would want um from what i understand it's it's a they ask as a first uh an a prospects and a b prospect so the blues obviously have three first round picks uh if i'm san jose i'm asking for that for their own right for the blues <laughs> pick that's going to be in the top 10 uh, I don't know if if Doug Armstrong would give that up, but that certainly has to be the ask from the Sharks if they're doing uh, you know, any sort of haggling, right? Uh, as far as prospects, so, you know, yeah. the Blues have those three guys, uh, Snutterroot, Bolduc, Neighbors, and I don't think Neighbors probably falls into that A category. A uh, shame that he, he got hurt and is going to miss all this time that he caught, probably could have got a, a lot more NHL playing time, NHL experience. Uh, I know different teams have different thoughts on Bull Duke. Um, You know, obviously even team Canada has different thoughts on him, Uh, you know, not making the world juniors, but tearing up the Quebec league. And uh, I don't know if San Jose would, would want him. Um, So you're looking at including Snuggerud uh, first and, you know, I know San Jose needs some help on on D they don't have a lot of uh, young defenseman prospects in their pipeline. And, Does Scott Perunovic make sense there, even with the injuries? Um, I think they want maybe a little one, someone more, more uh, ready for the NHL than, than Perunovic is, but that's just a sample of what a package could look like, right? A first round pick Snuggru, Perunovic, you know, if they don't want Perunovic, maybe you're looking at adding uh, another pick or, you know, if, if you're including one of your later firsts this year, maybe you have to up the content elsewhere. So, you know, just that's just on the, the trade side, right? And the contract side, as you mentioned, is uh, is the big thing. Ten million dollar qualifying offer. You know, it, it doesn't mean that the Blues have to have to pay him ten million. They can sign him to an extension, um, that's with an AAV below that. But if you're Meyer, there's nothing from stopping you um, by saying, I'll I'll take my one year ten million dollar qualifying offer. Uh, I'll go to undra- uh, unrestricted free agency and uh, and I'll I'll hit the open market then. Um, so he holds all the cards. If you wanted to sign to a an eight year extension, you're probably looking at nine or so. Um, you yeah, know, I thought it might be around eight seven five just based on other winners uh, with similar production. But given the qualifying offer and the leverage that he has in that aspect, maybe closer to nine. And you know, his, his leverage can be seen. Even even last summer in the Matthew Kachuk situation, right? Uh, he was probably just going to sign his QO and walk, uh, and Calgary said, "Well, we might as well trade you while we can," and uh, and that's why he ended up in in Florida. And you know maybe that's why Timo Meyer is going to end up somewhere else. But in order for the Blues to to do all that, uh, you have to clear cap space, right? And if you're going to include a salary dump to San Jose, do you have to include compensation for that salary dump as well? So maybe you're looking at. First, Nudru, Perunovic, a salary dump, and then a pick to take on that, that salary. So it's a bid package plus the contract. Um, I think we've talked before about them having a, a big need as a, for a number one defenseman. So does this fit that? Or you know, maybe they're just filling that top six hole we talked about earlier, and they'll worry about the defense later. So a lot of moving pieces would have to happen for the Meyer thing. And I don't get the sense that the Sharks want to need to do it now. Uh, if they want they could say all hey, right we'll sign you to your qualifying offer and do this again in the summer or in the next deadline um it, it, I think their their timing is probably better now but it's not something that needs to be done right now
0: and that segues to the uh the chickering question um he's off discussed uh we we're, we're all in agreement that we're not sure he's a you know he's he's your number one defenseman but his age is attractive his uh immediate um cap hit and the fact he's under he's got a little bit of term left is attractive uh there's potential for him to grow certainly uh, offers an offensive uh, component but you what you really want is somebody who can play the big minutes the tough minutes so his availability his contract term um, uh, the fact that you know you're looking looking at a, a franchise that's just you know not going to take on picks and prospects and has no hope of making money anytime soon obviously the blues get mention now because again as with Meyer they now have the capital to make a move where they did not have the capital earlier this year um and maybe Chikrin's a better fit for a team like this than a team that is trying to win now and may just go for a rental player in the marketplace and and not get involved in uh the the sort of a price you would have to pay to get a guy who's going to be with your program for a bit
1: yeah and I uh I struggle with Chikrin because I do think he is a, a top pair guy um I just don't know if he's that number one guy, and if if the Blues are going to give up the, you know the the draft picks, and you know what if they are giving up two firsts uh, to to get him, they have to be absolutely certain that he's going to be a different make, difference maker on the back end, and also they they would need to contend in these two years with this with this contracts uh, that Chickrens on, you know there's no point in acquiring him for you know two years at four point eight if he's going to walk after that and you're not contending during those two years that he is under contracts. So I just, I just don't envy Doug Armstrong in all in any of this, to be honest, <laughs> because he's, you look at one move and you say, well, you got to do all this and you have to move money out and you have to be, fill these holes. And, uh, and the other move is the same thing. Uh, you know, if you get Chikrin, then you have to find a, a forward to, to deepen your group up there and to make sure that you're good enough to, to contend during the time he's under contract under a cheap contract so i don't know if if chikrin is the answer but he's definitely a thought he's definitely a question for sure uh i like the idea of it but i'm not hundred percent sold
0: well and the challenge that Doug has you know he's maintained a pretty uh good uh discipline uh, as far as what he spends and of course when that that pushing and shoving uh, at the end led to Petrangelo landing in Las Vegas versus staying in St. Louis, um, because there's just there's just a limit to what Doug was willing to do. Well, if you're talking about now trying to acquire players who have leverage, whether it's Meyer who's got all the leverage in the world with uh, potential for free agency, or or really even Chickering, who with you know that's going to come up pretty quickly. Like it's just, just when they're starting to turn the corner. His contract would be coming up. At least that's what you would hope. That within two years, maybe the end of that second year, you're showing that you're you're getting within range. So you're almost going to have to look at trying to extend him, if that's the move you make. So you don't. So you have that certainty uh, of a guy, Uh, and that's not going to be that's not going to be cheap. Because again, leverage, right? So Doug's finding himself in a situation where. Pulling off a deal like he did with Buchnevich, getting him at a, for a song, and then getting him to a pretty reasonable deal. Um, boy, that's going to be tough to do again. You talk about it again, you don't envy him. Um, among the, He's got to get the players first. He's got to spend assets to get those players. And then he's got to figure out how does that fit what his vision for payroll looks like. And is that, can he change that vision? Can this market, um, with his philosophy of trying to have a lot of good players under a cap, um that's what he wants to do in this market um is it doable i don't know
1: yeah and it's it's funny we talk about the solutions to the blues problems and it's okay let's let's trade for a guy and then sign him to a long extension or uh you know let's get a a defenseman and and before his contract runs out sign him to a cost-controlled extension and yeah in part, that's kind of why they're here, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you trade for Justin Falk, you sign him to an extension. You trade for Nick Letty, you re-sign him. Uh, you trade for Scandella, you sign him to an extension. Uh, and even Pareko, you know, obviously he's he was from he's drafted here, and but before his contract runs out, uh, you sign him to a long cost control cost controlled extension. And uh, it's funny we talk about the the solutions and you kind of have a little deja vu to, to what happened before.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's just, and again, it's uh, he uh, and now you're in a whole different spot back when you're spending this money before you're spending money on a team that uh, you know, you had high aspirations, you know, you, you're, you won a cup uh, you're in the run, you're taking a run. Now you think you're going to keep this thing going. Um, But, and now you're in a different situation, you know, you're trying to do the uh, LA Kings turnaround and you, boy, you got to be careful because any other mistakes you make, any mistakes in this process, you've got to hit everything. You've got to get the right players and, and spend the right money and, and trade the right assets. Because if it's a, um, you know, you guys use the phrase "thread the needle." Oh, this is a thread the needle.
1: Yeah, and uh, I, I kind of chuckled the other day um, when Armstrong mentioned the LA Kings turnaround uh, because you know you look back at their recent history and you know they they picked top 10 in three straight drafts uh they had two first round picks in 2019 uh, I understand what they did in, in getting and in trading for Arvidsson uh getting Fiala signing Dano, uh but some of their their turnarounds at least in the coming years is going to be because of drafting and development and getting guys like Clark and Byfield uh so like that helps them in the future. I'm not. You know, I understand it doesn't help them uh, a ton this season, but it's still. It was still fun to to hear. You know, an LA Kings type turnaround when what they did was they drafted high in the draft. They kept on. They held on to their first for a few years, and then they made their moves with the Arvidsson, Fiala, Dano. Um, yeah, it, it it just wasn't. It wasn't like. Uh, it's not as long as the Detroit, New Jersey, Buffalo uh, rebuilds, but it's not like the you know the other ones where you just kind of make a few trades and you're there.
0: Well, they better hope the Kings, by the way, that Byfield uh, can emerge belatedly like a Tage Thompson, because the early returns have not been promising. Big big players are hard to develop, and they've certainly proven that with him. But uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, we're talking about the Blues. Matt, it's been a pleasure talking about what's happening here. Uh, it's been more fun talking about th- these potentials than the play itself. Uh, so, But we will stay on top of this at STLToday.com and the post-dispatch to print edition you know, with videos and podcasts to come. A lot to happen between now and the trade deadline, and we'll keep you on top of it. Uh, for Matt, I'm Jeff. Until next time, from the net front, see ya!